Warning. The Return to Snakeland podcast contains descriptions of suicide, sexual assault, rape, and murder. If you feel there is any possibility of triggering, please listen with caution. If you or someone you know is considering suicide, please speak to someone, anyone who you feel might help. If you don't have anyone, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. There will always be another way. Brian, and it's time to return to Snakeland. I'm Jason Gusman, and this is episode four, in which we discuss the inordinately high number of teenage suicides that haunted Kenmore West Senior High School throughout the 1980s. You know, Jason, when you originally, gave, you know, were doing this, like the story in this uh, for uh, Return to Snakeland, the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. But in 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 this what you were writing before I even started illustrating any of this stuff, sure. um, I just thought when you f- were talking about the suicides, I thought well, okay maybe there was like just a couple people that you know in in the circle of Kemmer West that there were suicides and mm-hmm. after reading what you've put together here, um, it's it's striking. I <laughs> I I was kind of taken aback i was like wow there's way more I, th- I thought it was just a couple kids you know but right uh, right yeah no i i always it's funny too because uh in the same same end you know with 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 me i mean we only kept it to the the three suicides for the graphic novel that i absolutely knew dead sure were ugh, terrible pun that basically um that i knew that had occurred, you know, mm-hmm. even if I didn't know all the details or anything. And it turned out that I had underestimated by uh, a, a pretty large number. Um, yeah. Even even if you just took into account when uh, I was in high school, when I was at Kenmore West during that time period, it's still more than I had estimated. And apparently uh, there was a lot that went on before that I didn't even know about. You know, or right. or that we still we still can't completely verify because um, something that I yeah I'd like to cover right here at the beginning is that with the nature of teenage suicides, normal research into obituaries or even a lot of times into you know death certificates that basically the the information just isn't there. Or right. it's incorrect. 
you know, right. there's there's always a, you know, a number a number of things, um, and especially back in that time period when we didn't have the kind of technological you know catches or or safeguards that we do now, you know, yeah, that that right. type of thing. So uh, so it's really it's really tough to get information on all these individuals. So there are going to be some there's going to be some gaps. It, no, I mean, and I, it, what my feeling is like, obviously suicide is such a taboo subject. And mm-hmm. when you're dealing with somebody so young, especially teenagers or, you know, students, I don't know why it's kind of, I mean, I understand some why they want their privacy, but also mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's almost like the sense of shame or something like that, which is maybe more tragic. Mm-hmm. Not that you want to advertise so your, your child had committed suicide, but Right. It's 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 not really necessarily a parent's fault per se. I mean, there it, it might yeah. be extenuating cir- circumstances that might have made that the, the case, but mm-hmm. most of the time, there's other things going on. There's there's mo- multiple factors. Yeah, with uh, with 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 teenagers, yeah, you're always going to have a relatively high incidence of suicide. But when it's it's you know five over the course of you know basically a little more than one year. That you do need to take an extra, an extra look. In addition to the fact that in years previous there were at least three other suicides, um, and and most probably two more. But again, without without actual uh, corroborating uh, evidence in the research, it's hard to say. But um, our uh, the, the fella who uh, does the music for our podcast had actually referenced this it's at one point or the other that Kenmore West was referred to as Suicide High, bare minimum, uh, during those years that I was there. I don't know if that was the case when you got there, Aaron. No, I don't, I don't, I don't recall that name at all. Okay. Okay. We didn't say we didn't call you know ourselves that or call West that. You know, no, you know, nobody you know. nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as you know, I guess just like kids in the South Towns, he was talking about and that that type of thing. So, but um, but apparently there was a, there was good reason for for a lot of that. Um, you know that we we've already addressed what we believe is the first Kenmore West student or actually Kenmore West alumni, uh, to commit suicide in the 1980s. This would be Joe F., who jumped to his death in Snakeland on June 21st, 1981. Uh, there was a, the connection there between Joe F.'s suicide as well as the accidental death of Daniel McCracken. Right. Yes. Okay. And we we talked about that uh, a couple episodes back. Um, There there may very well have been another preceding suicide or suicides, but we haven't been able to trace them. And unfortunately, that's going to be kind of a uh, a chorus as we go through. But we're going to tell you, you know, everything we know and everything we suspect. And we're going to be real careful about the names uh, in order to be able to do that. You know, speaking of which, uh, the story of Joe F., uh, I didn't get from uh, from research. You know, it, uh, Aaron never picked it up from something else. It was originally relayed to us on a social media group. And although two separate local newspaper articles of the time period did corroborate two separate deaths in Snakeland previous to Kathy Harold's murder, they didn't uh, mention the names of, of either of the individuals or reference suicide. Right, it was um, never it was never elaborated, but like 
um, like we said before, I think it was in our first episode, I, I believe, when we talked mm-hmm. about Snake Land, it was, you know, uh, spray painted on that on that top uh, floor of the of yes. the grain elevators. And, and it was relayed to me that that was a poem written about, I didn't know it was Joe F. at the time, but mm-hmm. it was it was it was about him. And, gotcha. and that's the story I heard at the time. That, and that was well before social media. So, Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, at, at least that, you know, that existed to be able to back up the, uh, the stories that, 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 we had, that we had received. But then there's a couple suicides that follow. And honestly, I, I can't believe I had never heard of these occurrences until... Uh, we found them because it just seems like the kind of thing that, you know, the, uh, the myths and legends would just have followed this for, you know, forever. But, but again, that the, the leads that we developed, uh, came through a social media group rather than research, actual friends of the two deceased individuals. Richard H. and Brenda R. were a romantic couple at Kenmore West. Apparently things went wrong to the extent that Richard H. committed suicide on July 11th, 1982. The story that has been passed down is that Richard committed suicide while he was on the phone with Brenda R. Jeez, man. That's just... There's, yeah. so, many things, there's so many things wrong with that. And and again, I mean, we're we're going we're going with the uh, we're going with the legend here, but no one's given us any reason to believe that this is not the case. It's word um, of mouth, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The dates are very specific. The method of suicide was not divulged, as it had an audio component. You know, one can make some assumptions about the manner in which that he may have killed himself. It's the possibility of a firearm. There's also right. the possibility that he had ingested, you know, a a great deal of drugs, right. uh, in or in order to to make that happen. But in that case, it may very well have been, you know, that that Brenda R would have found a way to get, you know, an ambulance to the house, that sort of thing. As we know, with suicides, especially suicides that are committed uh, when an individual is part of a you know, a romantic couple that the, uh, the other end of that couple is going to be taking that very, very much to heart. The, uh, the references to, uh, to Brenda after Richard H's suicide were that, uh, she was, as you might imagine, incredibly depressed. Um, it's, it's pretty much borne out by the fact, unfortunately, that Brenda, R committed suicide on March 23rd, 1983, which is less than a year later uh, than uh, Richard H's suicide. Yeah, pretty tragic. Pretty tragic, too, that, uh, I mean, I don't know if she was seeking help or seeking any therapy after what happened, you know, Mm -hmm. especially experiencing that. That's pretty traumatic. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that you would think... Again, and this this is going to come up later on in, in this in this uh, this episode that Kenmar West would be stepping in in one sense or the other to take care of these kids mm-hmm. when these things happened, but they didn't, to my knowledge. 
Brenda didn't recover. Again, there's no way to determine Brenda's method or circumstance. It's just a very, very sad story, teenage romance, and death. But already um, in the 1980s, we've got 81, 82, 83. You know, there's, there's, there's a suicide at West every single year. That's pretty, okay. cr- pretty crazy. Yeah, it's right there. Just that's that's a lot right there. Yeah, going on here, you, uh, we have in the notes that mm-hmm. um, starting in 1984, one male Kenmore student died on uh, November 19th, 1984. Although we have no information on cause of death or if it was a suicide. Uh, similar speaking, another male died on uh, February 1st, 1985. Again, there's no verification on the cause of death. Or any other details. The only reason we're assuming that they're suicides is the numbers of deaths by suicides at Kemmer West from late 1984 to summer 1986 would then exactly match the numbers quoted in the Buffalo News. In the July of 1986, they listed five suicides. That uh, that was uh, that was established. Was the the number was solid enough that they published it. Uh, and you know we'll, we'll get to that article a little a little bit later, but again, I, I know that these these young men uh, died while they were at Kenmore West. Right. Um, you know, and again, I don't I don't have I don't have details. We don't know for sure at all that either of them or both of them were suicides. But again, if it's to if it's to to tally up with the five suicides in the article, these guys would probably need to be involved. So, yeah, yeah. no doubt. The next set of Kenmore West suicides were uh, were at least slightly more familiar because they occurred during the period that Jason was actually paying attention Curtis time, 1985-1986. Gary M. killed himself in July of 1985. Although Gary M. committed suicide the same month as Kathy Harold's murder, uh, there's no evidence the two events were linked in any way and no rumors that linked them either. So there's no talk between each other. Uh, Jason knew some folks who were acquainted with Gary M. And they said that he was a super nice guy and that he had some pretty serious personal problems. And uh, Gary M. Unfortunately shot himself in the chest. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty ugly stuff. You know, uh, again, there's, there's really, there's really not too much more than that. It was more the idea, I guess, that it was a, it was a surprise, you know, as opposed to say Brenda R., you know, where, where just her behaviors would possibly lead someone to, you know, think that that was, a, you know, going to occur. But in, in Gary M's case, it just it just wasn't wasn't there, you know, that positive or gregarious enough that they didn't figure that. Sometimes you just don't know. Aside from the John Justice murders, things were relatively quiet until January of 1986. Jeannie R. shot herself on January 15th, 1986. I remember the method this time because it seemed out of character for a young woman to kill herself with a gun. Now, although my reasoning was sexist, in fact, the statistics actually support this conclusion and that primarily it is young men who use firearms uh, to commit suicide. 
things may have changed recently. I don't know. I haven't done any real up to the moment research right. on that. But. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, you don't usually think of uh, a woman reaching for a gun for suicide. That's not the first first thought you have. Suicide, suicide. Right. So. It's, no, totally. it's just it's just whatever. I mean, if you're in that state of mind and you're you're that distraught, anything might look like as a tool in, or an instrument to carry out your action. So that's a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, if you're, I mean, that's the thing. If you're you're in that state of mind and you're that upset, you know, you a gun is just so quick. You know? Yep. So. And and uh, hopefully the individual using it won't get in one of those terrible situations where there's some sort of a ricochet, et cetera, et cetera. And then people right. actually live through that. So, or yeah, hurt somebody else. Oh God. No. Yeah. Like that's not grim enough, you know? Yeah. Right. But, um, anyway, I, uh, I don't have an exact date for Everett F who was next. Only the indication that his suicide was in 1986 but we believe a few weeks previous to the Buffalo News article in July of 1986 that gives us that uh, count of, uh, of five suicides. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only thing I remembered about Everett was that he was ahead, but mm-hmm. he certainly wasn't one of the mean or scary ones. I, beyond that, I don't have much for you, but um, – This will be dealt with in one of the articles. It's actually kind of cool. It appears that Everett's suicide was what brought together the creation of the Open Arms Peer Support Group that was pretty much put together and staffed by all heads. And this this is definitely borne out by the uh, the picture in the yearbook, you know, which Mm -hmm. is it's it's there they are and they are definitely heads. So it's it's pretty it's pretty great that they put something you know, really kind of, you know, homespun together like that and, you know, actually actually had it work. It's the only element of suicide prevention that I ever actually saw at West. And so you, you, other- re- you recall this? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wasn't going to go to it. But at the same time, it was just, you know, that, that idea that it was such a surprise that it was all heads and it was also, it was the only thing going. They kept right. saying in these articles that they're, they're offering all this stuff to us, you know, from uh, the life and death transition center and these various doctors. And I don't remember any of that at, mm. at all, at all. So, you know, I don't know. Open arms was it. And that was pretty much the only thing that was yeah. it. So. It's 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 uh, nice to know that you know I mean I I know that some memories of the heads were <laughs> about a lot of hostility but there's yeah. some 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 good silver lining there in in the groups of people that you and you're willing to recognize that hey they did something that was pretty awesome oh yeah oh totally you know and I mean you know being being an adult now it's no, it's, uh, it's everything it's, comes into into sharp focus oh sure sure. You just, know, just but, other things get out of focus. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but the, the main thing was, is that it was it was of the period. Right. And that was the kind of thing that, you know, I didn't want to admit, you know, that that sure. those yeah. people had done, you know, both both men and women, mm-hmm. young men and women. Um, but I, I, th- I thought it was I thought it was just great. You know, I really I really did. But 
anyways, uh, that's uh, you know <laughs> maybe maybe the uh, open arms group was uh, was exactly what was needed because I don't remember and I haven't found any evidence of another suicide uh, until after um, I graduate in uh, 1988. Wow. Uh, there, there, may, there may be at least one, maybe two during your period as well. Aaron, I mean, you know, you very well may have been as, uh, you know, self-absorbed as I was not to catch, you know, no, some yeah. of it. I, I probably did. I can't recall anybody, but I mean, I'm, I, there's, you know, it was a big school and, uh, I didn't oh, know man. a lot of people. <laughs> so <laughs> I, so, I mean, honestly, it was just one of those things that I, if it happened, I, I didn't, I literally did. I, cause I moved in on my freshman year. So there was a lot of things like I had a lot of catching up to do. So if something happened during those four years, I a lot of people I just did not know, you know. So I hear um, you. I hear you. Five suicides, prompt prevention efforts at Kemmer West. This is by Anthony Cartaline. Cartaline. I think Cart- it's I think it's Cardinale, but Cardinale. I can't be sure. <laughs> <laughs> just call him okay. Anthony. All right, Anthony. Uh, Buffalo News, July 13th, uh, 1986. A 19-year-old woman who had just graduated from Kemmer West shot herself to death in her home last January. Sometime later, her bereaved parents tried to restore a normal routine for the sake of their own children and held a party at their house for them and their friends. I knew the family. I knew some of the other kids who were going, so I let my daughter go to the party said a Kenmore mother who has a daughter at Kenmore West. But that was a mistake. My daughter came home an absolute wreck. It was too traumatic for her. Students at Kenmore West High School had have to deal with several traumatic experiences in their past year or so, as at least five of their classmates have taken their own lives. Suicides have caused alarm in other area high schools, particularly in the suburbs but Kemmer West appears to be uh, having the worst problem. In response, the 1,800-student school, the largest in Erie County, has established a program to prevent suicides and is counseling students who have lost a friend. During summer vacation, school officials are introducing peer counseling by student volunteers to make the program more effective by the fall term. Despite growing concerns at several high schools, The statistics do not show a dramatic rise in teenage suicides in the county. Because so little is known about suicidal urges among the young and no national prevention model has been found, the program for dealing with suicide at Kemmer West has been developed from the ground up, according to the school officials. The other area schools have looked to the school for advice. Kemmer West staff have failed to find a common denominator that would explain a relatively large incidence of suicide. Yeah, we got a lot to... A lot to unpack here. First, okay, number number one. I want I want to get to this bit. Um, this is a Jeannie R. Was the 19 year old woman who had just graduated from Kenmore West who shot herself to death in her home last January? Okay, that's established. So sometime later, her bereaved parents tried to restore a normal routine for the sake of their other kids, and they have this party and. This Kenmore mother who has a different daughter at Kenmore West, you know, um, says it was a huge mistake. My daughter came home an absolute wreck. It was too traumatic for her. Ah, wow. It, that's, <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, that, that statement alone 
I mean, because you know the parents are going to see that. Right. It's in the Buffalo News. Like, the Buffalo News, especially probably in 1986, is on almost everybody's doorstep. Oh, yeah. Uh, every yeah. morning or evening and on Sundays, you know? The options weren't there at that time. So, yep, <laughs> there, there you go. So, thanks for trying, parents. But, you know, my daughter came home an absolute wreck because yeah, your, sorry, daughter your daughter was a wreck. But, yeah, I'm sorry that yeah. you had tragedy, but, you know, she's. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Again, Buffalo News, completely callous. And <laughs> I, I just, the, the reporting is got to be like, I, I don't know if it's the reporters or it's the people to interview. I don't know what's worse. No, I, no, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you a hundred percent, man, because we, you know, we, we go through this stuff and I mean, this, this is really, unfortunately, like the, the news is the, um, the real, the meat and potatoes of this stuff. And that's where we actually get the validation that yes, five kids killed themselves at our high school during, you know, a, a little more than a year, you know, these, these sorts of things. But at the same time, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous, you know, the manner in which these things are described. But okay, here's 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 a pretty here's a pretty big deal because it may be true, but because so little is known about suicidal urges among the young, and no national prevention model has been found, the program for dealing with suicide at Kenmore West has been developed from the ground up. I honestly doubt that in 1986 there is no national prevention model. Or that, you know, there hasn't been serious studies that have gone on about suicidal urges among young people. You know, I mean... Yeah, it's hard to believe. Yeah, it's hard to believe. No, no, no. I mean, maybe it was like Nancy Reagan's kind of thing. Don't do drugs, just don't commit suicide. That was their their counsel at the time. Very well could have been. Or like in Heather's, you know, teenage suicide, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I, it's but it's just like honestly, I, you're right. I mean, they there had to have been some some, some best practices out there that, or scholarly that work that people to. can go into. I mean, sure. there, there's people work on these things, right? Oh God, you would think, you know. And this is and this is again, this isn't like something shocking. Where suddenly in 1986, teenagers are killing themselves. Oh my God, who knew? Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, bullshit. exactly. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. So uh, it definitely is a serial suicide situation, said Officer Tom Henchy from the Kenmore Police Department. This guy apparently just every time the Buffalo News came out to report on anything, he they was there. Yeah, he was him. there. Yeah, absolutely. Quote continues, someone commits suicide and a couple of days later, a friend who has already tried it will try it again and maybe succeed. Okay, I'm going to take this opportunity to just review what we just talked about. (sighs) And essentially, uh, with with the with the exception of Brenda R., uh, which I don't think was some sort of serial suicide situation. And I think it was basically it was directly related to, you know, the manner in which that, um, you know, her boyfriend had killed himself. We don't have any examples of any kind of uh, somebody doing some sort of copycat suicide at all. You know, nothing nothing remotely like that. Young people in Kenmore continuing to take their own lives. Just in the past month, three young people in the village have committed suicide, according to Henchy. Mm. No details. No details. No details. So 
at Kenmore West, school officials tell students about the deaths of classmates over the public address system. Okay, and in quotes, Kenmore West is saddened to announce the death of another student. This is designed to dispel rumors and ease the pain, but it strikes some students as sounding either too officious or too routine. Frankly, I don't even remember hearing it. Really? They certainly didn't say anything when Kathy died. Probably or, had your headphones Gary, on. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. But Or when Gary killed himself, that stuff happened over the summer. Okay. John yeah. Justice kills his entire family. No one mentions anything on the announcements, anything like that. I, I certainly don't remember hearing anything previous to that about those other uh, young men who may or may not have been suicides. Um, the only GNR wasn't mentioned. GNR wasn't mentioned because she was already alumni. She had graduated and killed herself. And as far as uh, Everett F, that may be the only one that I can yeah. say that at least I may remember. So honestly, I don't. I don't know. Anyway. It, it, it it seems pretty stark that they would do that. Like, why wouldn't you have like maybe you know a vigil or some kind of like. A place that you could put memories for the person, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 absolutely. Close, something closer to what uh, the article you found described for uh, Daniel McCracken. Right. Now, again, we're talking about, you know, a secular school as opposed to, like, Catholic school, but still just the very idea of somehow, you know, coming together mm-hmm. in a very, very basic way. Right. You know, um, right. but it just, it just, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. One 15-year-old girl told her mother after another suicide was announced. Her brother, who is 16, said he is angered by the tone of the announcements. After one student suicide a few weeks ago, the staff at Kenmore West identified 40 friends of the victim and arranged for them to meet with Dr. France, more about him later, for two hours. The students met in smaller groups after the main session. Uh, this sounds actually a, a little closer to what you were thinking of, Aaron. I, right. I, I think so. But yeah. now several of the students are starting a group called Open Arms, Ms. Turco said. She was the uh, school nurse. This summer we'll be working to get peer counseling set up for them in the fall because some students can't talk to an adult. I've never seen such an enthusiastic. At such an enthusiastic group as Open Arms. And these are not the traditional student leaders who are involved. They might be able to reach that special student who can't talk to adults. Yeah. She's right. I mean, well, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, you know, because mm-hmm. some people are like, I'm not going to go talk to my teacher or, you know, this, this counselor, but I will talk to a friend or somebody, you know, that, you know, that maybe you trust a peer. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Well, Mr. Uh, Anthony Cardinale is uh, is is gifting us Anthony, with another. Anthony's got another article. It says, <laughs> it says uh, next article. <laughs> hey, Anthony, guns, not drugs, are youth's main path to suicide. Buffalo News, July twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six. Uh, no matter the method used, a suicide is not always a one time gesture made by a troubled youth. Many suicidal people seem to gravitate towards suicide on installment plan, on the installment plan, according to Dr. W. Michael Stott, a clinical psychologist at the Youth Service Mental Mental Health Clinic, who have been studying uh, suicidal use for many years. So somebody has been studying this. 
At the very least, I mean, I'm I'm not real crazy about their uh, their conclusions, but uh, <laughs> they were studying, I guess. They were, I guess, they were doing some work. Uh, the article continues. Uh, we don't keep hard data on suicide, Stott says, but we do see uh, the kids at the beginning stages when they are ungovernable and run from home. We frequently see clinical signs of depression, self-destructive gestures such as self-mutilation with a razor up and down their arms with superficial superficial cuts or carving initials in their arm or self-inflicted tattoos. This predates punk rock and is an old as old as man itself. It is not happening more, but it's but it's happening just as much as before. Okay, let me pause you. <laughs> there for a second so you know it's 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 one of those things you know um where you where you look at like like this stuff i mean first first off i'm just amazed and pleased that they're even discussing punk rock in any respect sure but of course it has to do with like self-mutilation yeah. yeah yeah totally so but you know, it's uh, it's it, this is something I know that you're familiar with because of that uh, the Smith song. You know, mm-hmm. scratch mm-hmm. my name on your arm with a fountain, with a fountain pen. pen. Right, right, that yeah. Proves that you really love me. And yep. we had a uh, we had a friend, Rough Smalls uh, <laughs> Ruffians. Yeah, yes, that's a great song. <laughs> yeah, One of the best bass lines ever. Yeah. But um, yeah, we had a friend, uh, this guy who will remain nameless, who took an actual fountain pen and carved uh. I think the girl's name was Wendy. Uh, he carved it on 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 his arm, and uh, Wendy was uh, summarily uh, unimpressed. But you know, at the same. But he time, got free free frosties at Wendy's after that, so you know. Good. <laughs> what? <laughs> he just shows shows it to him like, oh, that's a free frosty there. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm still laughing. So that's really <laughs> Wendy's. Funny. Wendy's, you get Frosties, right? The little chocolate shake things. Well, yeah, but you don't get one for carving a girl's name in your arm. If I worked at Wendy's and some guy showed me that, I'm like, you're getting a free Frosty, dude. Would you? Would you? Would you make sure that he was a Smiths fan before you gave him the free Frosty? He'd have to quote some Morrissey. Okay, so. okay, so that he did it for the right reasons. Yeah. Okay, now that's not that's totally cool. So, all right, thank you. I'm I'm done with my rant. Article continues, but if some area, uh, but if some area suburban schools seem to be experiencing more suicides than city schools, he said, it's because many t- uh, city teenagers have found methods or self-destruction that are not as alarming as suicide. Yeah, keep rolling. We got a lot to <laughs> a lot to talk about. Uh, uh, they are no more depressed in Kenmore than anywhere else, said Stott, referring to the village that is experiencing a high rate of suicide last year. In fact, there is more depression among the poor, and Kenmore's, uh, and Kenmore's not poor. But in the uh, city... But in city schools, depression is worked out in different ways. Heroin abuse, heroin abuse is uh, self-destructive too. Okay. There seems to be a self-destructive tendencies in everyone. Alcohol and drugs are uh, are suicide on installment plans. They're just as lethal as drugs. Drug. I'm sorry. They're just as lethal as guns, 
but not at, so immediate. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about the stat guy. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the, the more the more we get here. The more he just, talks, uh... I'm just asking him to shut up. <laughs> exactly. You know, you gotta love stuff like, you know, there's more depression among the poor, and Kenmore's not poor, but in city schools, uh you're gonna find heroin. That'll work. You know, it's I mean, it's just is that a thing? I mean, I'm, I'm sure heroin does show up in schools, but I don't know. Sure, sure. But, but I mean, it, you know, like somehow equating teenage suicide and teenage heroin use. I mean, yeah, they're both, you know, lethal. And, you know, it's, it's horrible that, you know, kids have to find either one of them. Right. But, I mean, it just goes nowhere. It just, it's just, what's your point, buddy? You know, I just, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, oh, I mean, so. obviously... Yeah, you know, alcohol and drug abuse are, you know, signs that things are going wrong or things aren't going exactly the, the right trajectory you want your teenager to be going through. But sure. the, same, same, uh, the same way of thinking, that doesn't necess- necessarily mean that's a suicidal behavior. Mm. It's just kids being reckless more than a lot I, that I have known. So, but. Oh yeah, you know, and there and there's always. I mean, this is this is going to be a discussion for another day. But you know, why teenagers take drugs is like, you know, I mean, if you're not dealing with something as severe as heroin, then you know, most most were not doing heroin. I mean, but now I don't know the statistics of that, especially in 1980s. So true, uh, true. Anyways, uh, the article continues. Many uh, factors in teenagers' uh, background and family life contribute to suicide, um, Mr. Fran says. A previous suicide in the family or at school may raise the odds that it will uh, reoccur. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I, I do know that that has been said before, that, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. one suicide can lead to another one. You know, because it brings on a lot of sadness and and, mm-hmm. and also maybe just opens up a window like, oh, so-and-so did it. Maybe I should, too, kind of thing. You can make the argument. You know, I mean, I really think that that's probably a lot more true of a suicide in a family than, like, say, uh, the school. You know, because, yeah. like, you know, I mean, uh, you know, for me, for me personally, I didn't I didn't know any of the people uh, in a personal way who killed themselves. You know, I, I, sim- I simply didn't, you know, and it never, it never encouraged me in any way to think suicidal thoughts, anything along those lines. But, um, I'm going to ask you, uh, to, uh, let me read this next part because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Th- and, I, this is where it really goes off the rails here. Oh, Jesus. God. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's great. Okay. Dr. France also says part of the problem stems from the women's movement. Of course. The it rise does. of two breadwinner families and broken homes. I think the women's movement is a factor here. Positive as it is in many respects, he said guardedly. More and more kids are coming home to empty houses. Both parents work, which means they're putting less energy into the family. They'll say it's better quality time. But the fact is, kids are on their own a lot more, and they're not as central in the lives of their parents as they used to be. Okay, hang on to that. I got one more for you. All right. (laughs) It is possible that many of today's teenagers do not have the toughness and emotional bounce to recover from setbacks, he said. 
They don't seem to have the resilience you might expect young people to have, he said. They don't bounce back. They get hurt by things more. I don't know why that is. You could almost say they're not very tough. I don't really know why. Oh, my God. Like, what, do they have to go through the Battle of the Somme to just, to, to, (laughs) I mean, like, what the freak is this guy talking about? I mean, it's, I mean, just, it's just, I mean, whatever else he said that made a good point. I mean, we don't even need to discuss the, uh, the involvement of the women's movement because it's, it's ludicrous. Okay. But then beyond that, just insulting the kids who are killing themselves is absolutely ridiculous. And you know what this reminds me of, Aaron? You may you may think I'm off base here, but um, is the millennials. Oh, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. all this shit about how how they're not able to, I to handle things. And, it's, you know, like, it's so bullshit. It's so bullshit. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. I, I, I know I know so many millennials and they're great people. I mean, I, I'm not a millennial, but they're <laughs> great guys and girls out there and they're, and they're doing everything they can. And, yes, they have challenges that we didn't have. I, I don't know. Oh, it's yeah. just it's it's so stupid. Well, the challenges are different. Yeah. The same way that Dr. Franz's challenges were different from these kids. And it just it, it just it just seems to go along with every other generation. You know, they well, they're just not very tough. I don't know why. You know, it's like, well, the kids, the millennials who are out there who are getting the same exact pigeonholing mm-hmm. are these are the ones who this last summer uh, were out in the street trying to make something happen. So that, you know, black people weren't being murdered indiscriminately by the police. You know, that's a pretty big thing. That takes guts. That's not something you can just, you know, brush off. So, I mean, I know that, um, you know, specifically my wife was, was, was incredibly taken by that. And she had actually kind of corrected me when I had made some reference to millennials being, to being weak in some respect or the other. And I was like, okay, well, I, actually, I stand corrected. You're right. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. it's, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's like articles like this, and you're just like, why did you print this? Why did you interview these people? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Social dynamics had changed by the women's mm-hmm. That's there's no doubt about that. And and maybe there was a period of adjustment, but that didn't mean that children weren't loved in their homes that didn't mean that uh families weren't trying to provide and yeah maybe uh because you know wages weren't as high as they used to be you know going mm-hmm. back 10 15 years 20 years before 1986 you know right. mom mom had to go to work you know to to pay right. the pay the mortgage and put food on the table as well so Right. It's just it's so ludicrous and uh blaming mothers for deaths of children is just so stupid. Yeah. And, and and again and then talk going back into kids aren't tough. I'm like I mean this guy, I don't know. Who does that help? Who does Nobody. any of that help? Nobody. Seriously. You know, Anthony like, Cardinale, I I'm I'm embarrassed by you. But all right. We got yeah. another article by Anthony <laughs> Uh, Expert emphasizes the realities of youth suicide by Antony. And this is Buffalo News, 1987. Mm -hmm. 
what happened here at Mount St. Mary's is not unique. Oh boy, said Judith. Scratchy. Scritney? I think I think I think it's the hard E. I think it's Scratney. Scratney. Oh, Scratney. Judith Scratney. <laughs> Wait, let me start that again. <laughs> you saw that doing Gotham for a yeah. second. You know, so what what happened here at Mount St. Mary's is not unique, said Judith Scratney. <laughs> Grief educator coordinator of the Life and Death Transition Center, referring to the two girls who tried to fixate themselves in the car with the engine running on June 9, 1987, the day before final exams. In fact, what happened here is happening all through Erie County. Miss um, Scritney, or Scritney uh, recalled the boy who had covered the mirror in his room with a black cloth for a week before killing himself. He didn't like himself so much that he didn't even want to look at himself, she said. Unfortunately, no one in the family noticed. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I gotta, I'm sorry, i got to break in here yeah. just, just real quick. Covering mirrors uh, with with uh, black claws is, um, I know it definitely in Italian households that it, it, uh, it, uh, it signifies the need to not be vain mm. during a period of mourning. You know, yeah. that you're not supposed to care about how you look right. when you're in a period of mourning. You know, that sort of thing. I, I I doubt. I mean, again, I don't know that that was really the case. And maybe he didn't want to look at himself. But, you know, there's there's uh, there's so many other reasons why for these things. Like when, when you have something like that that has multiple explanations, you know. So um, anyway. I mean, and then the asphyxiation thing, that's. That's unique to have two girls try to fixate themselves, mm-hmm. uh, especially before final exams. I mean, I, I, it's that's uh, that's that's um, I, it's just odd. I, so there's there has to be a whole like story there that's not even that it's that's way too that's way too simplified. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty specific situation, you know. And it's like, okay, well, is yeah, is this just two really close friends who? thought they weren't going to pass exams so they tried that or they were they were so like you know wrapped up in that or was there some some other problems that they're facing so yeah there's there's a lot so the article continues uh miss scrutiny said uh, media coverage of the uh, of the transformations in our society such as rampant divorce and drug abuse and open homosexuality has caused some uh young people to measure themselves against a false criteria Youths often fear that divorce or homosexuality will strike them. Oh my God. Or that they, <laughs> or that they, oh my God, this is getting too much. Or that they must use drugs if they, uh, if they, if they hear that other youths are doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world is not the same as when most of us were growing up, she said. Kids have to make tough decisions in life. Oh, I, think um, I really, I really chose. You know, like, you know, the pieces of the articles that uh, I really I really liked because they have this humorous aspect to lighten things up after uh, all that uh, El Timio Sanchez stuff we dealt with last episode. But, um, yeah, you know, just to just to bring it up a little bit. Um, Fear of divorce and homosexuality. (laughs) That makes you want to kill yourself. Now, there is maybe something here that we because we are in you know 2020s 
you know, our, our culture has changed. And from 1980, it's true. It's true. 1987, you know, <laughs> we're dialing back the clock. Homosexuality was not openly accepted at this time. You know, maybe you, maybe somebody you knew was an open, you know, homosexual of some sort, but they were like the rarity. Oh yeah, you know. no, it's it, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, like during during that period, you're still looking at. Uh, I believe you and I discussed this at one point. It had even improved somewhat. By the time that you got to school, yeah. you know, then when we were passing through and that it just, uh, you know, but uh, but the very idea that youths often fear that homosexuality will strike them as if it was like lightning or, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, like some 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 other some other thing, you know, that would just, you know, drop onto their heads, you know, um, you know, again, you know, I'm sure, sadly enough, that homosexuality at the time, uh, probably was a big cause of teenage suicide. And it's, it's, uh, it's sad because, you know, now we've reached a point where, I mean, that term homosexuality is, is hardly ever even used because we've gone so far beyond that now. Right. We've gone beyond beyond bisexuality. Now it's like, it's like, it's pan and, you know, like, you know, gender queer and all this like other different kind of stuff. And the main thing is, is that, you know, some of it, when I hear like, like young people using like some terms, it, it may sound a little silly to me cause I'm older, but then I immediately think, well, there's a lot less kids being murdered for yeah. who they want to love. So, right. you know, right. it's like, right. that's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And there but, is there is a, there is a a lot of younger people are more open to the idea that hey maybe I may be gay I might be bi mm-hmm. I'm, or, or whatever it might be and mm-hmm. you know thank God at least we have at least that open air that people can I, I, I'm, it's not easy for anybody period I mean oh, yeah. especially especially a teenager <laughs> trying to figure out yourself I mean it's it's sure. a mess but sure. yeah it's uh, it's it's definitely the 1987, you know, the the 80s and probably even before that was got to be rough on anybody at, during that time period. And mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for, you know, anybody who was of any different sexual persuasion than heterosexual and mm-hmm. found their found their way through that. You know, absolutely. It's definitely. Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, but Miss Scrutiny, I mean. Uh, yeah, no. Her and Doctor France can just they can yeah. they can take a cruise together, you know, learn some things. Well, listen, I've got I've got this is our this is our our, our last one for the day, and uh, and it's a fun one. So you know, again, I think I think we're going to end on a positive note, despite the fact that a lot of this stuff is so dark. This it is, is X X Kenmore officer sees link between cults and teen suicides. This was written by Carl Allen for the Buffalo News in 1987. Mm-hmm. A former Kenmore police officer who had investigated cults and devil worship. For more than two years, says he sees a connection with the suicides of youths in the Kenmore area. Tom Hinchy. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's He's Tom back. again. He's back. The, the, the keynote speaker for the February meeting of the Judges and Police Conference of Erie County stopped short of saying that Satanism causes suicides among youths, but he said satanic practices tend to convince tend to convince troubled youths 
that it's all right to kill themselves. My God. Henchy, who based his talk on incidents he has investigated and youths he has talked to as head of the juvenile aid unit in Kenmore, said as many as seven young people have taken their lives in the Kenmore area over the last three years. Now, uh, to be honest with you, that might actually be an accurate total, mm-hmm. but we're pretty much uh, trying to exclusively focus on, on Kenmore West. So. Sure. As far as that goes, we have had a high, very high number of suicides, young people killing themselves in our community, said Hinchy. Now a public relations representative for a local supermarket chain. Oh, my God. Hinchy, what happened? <laughs> he took a oh step no. down, didn't he? Yeah. Wow. You'll hear why. Uh, he told the group that he would not give an opinion, but suggested that people in law enforcement take a more serious look at juveniles involved in cults. He said his investigations into devil worship began around two and a half years ago when officers found a German shepherd dog strung up by the neck in Mang Park. Man, that's rough. After that incident, he observed as many as, yep, you guessed it, Aaron. 90 youths. 90 youths at a ceremony. A ceremony now where rituals were taking place. Hinchy said he observed sacrifices of pigeons, the burning of upside-down crosses, and other practices. Drugs were usually involved at the ceremonies, he said. Okay, now, a couple things. So <laughs> now we know for a fact that article that we read in the very first episode that Hinchy was the undercover cop that was in this documenting all the stuff. Right, he was absolutely there. He okay. was the police, or, or he was the police presence. What I really want to know was he like Will Farrow in old school, partying with the kids, just having a lot of fun, <laughs> and then coming back like, oh yeah, these kids—they're a mess. They're yeah. all Satan, but and the drugs. I, you know, I think, I think really, if it's just if it was if it was a uh, you know Tom Henchy up against, you know, 90 teenagers. I think, I think really, honestly, if I was him, I'd just try to blend in too. You know, oh, you, know, I mean, he had like, shirt, you know, he had a shirt off and he was going Satan. They would have, they would have been like a, he had, like a head, he had a headband on, you know, big hairy chest, you know, a little overweight, not looking like the rest of the kids there. Yeah. That's how I'm picturing it. Just by the fire, you know, he's getting a little sweaty, you know, dancing, you know? Sure. Sure. Okay, now here here's probably the only the only uh, really interesting uh, and not just funny um, you know corresponding issue. Throughout his two years of investigation, he said there were no more than eight to ten hardcore Satan worshippers, but many of the kids were onlookers and were being influenced. And as you as you know, you know we were we were talking about this before. There's the um, the 10 of us and the 10 of them and one of me in Kathy Harold's dream to uh, Diane Tesmer. Right. And that at least does link up with the numbers that were being quoted uh, a couple years earlier, um, you know, of the individuals who were really creating problems or even if they didn't actually use the term hardcore Satan worshipers, but that they were like genuine criminals so, um, so that's consistent at least. I mean, I guess that's something. Yeah. Um, but, uh, let me just go to this last bit. Uh, Hinchy passed out the lyrics to rock music by such popular performers as the police. Oh my God. 
Prince, uh, Iron Maiden, and noted Satanist Bruce Springsteen. Oh, my God. I'm not saying rock music causes this, he said. What I am saying is that if someone is going to take their own life, this is giving them a negative message when they need a positive message. Okay, so uh, I tend to think of the police and Bruce Springsteen as being... um, Pretty, Pretty vanilla. Yeah, like, but just, you know, again, you know, just absolutely, like, very uh, positive in their own ways. Prince, Prince was a practicing Christian. I mean, I, I know he sang songs about sex, yeah. but he had, he had no interest in singing about Satan or any of that. And Iron Maiden, well, it just so happens their, their best song is about Satan. Yes, yeah, but, yeah. you know, I think that's it. I mean, I don't know a lot about Maiden, but... You know, the, 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 main, the Iron Maiden covers kind of incriminate themselves right off the bat. So, I mean, it just nah, any, any parent seeing uh, what's his name, Eddie from the covers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially it's... in 1986, 1987, you know. Well, you're right. You're oh, right. Hinchy, how, how the mighty have fallen public relation representatives for a local supermarket chain? I, yeah. Was it Bells? Was it uh, Super I mean, Duper? Was Super Duper. Yeah, you know, they'd have him, I bet, I bet. So, um, okay. Well, anyways, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Next episode, uh, John Justice kills his entire family as well as an innocent bystander. So the the good times just keep on rolling over here. Return to Snakeland podcast was created by Aaron O'Brien and Jason Gussman. All music written and performed by Dotson Moon. If you like what you've heard, you can access more Dotson Moon music at dotsonmoon.bandcamp.com. If you have any information as to the 1985 murder of Kathy Harold, please contact us at our email address, Return to Snakeland at gmail.com You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have an interest in further historic materials from the period or information on the Return to Snakeland graphic novel, please come see us at returntosnakeland.com If you would like to contribute in order to ensure the future of this podcast, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com front slash return to snake land thanks for everything see you next time